You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers, as always. My name's Tony East. I cover the Pacers for Forbes and the West Side Community News, and today... It is game day, Pacers, Blazers in India, potential TJ Leaf revenge game. I'm joking about that. Um, we got to break down all that Pacers, Blazers action, kind of pivotal game for the Pacers since they're playing a good team. The teams behind them in the standings are still hanging around, right? If they want to make the plan, they got to get some wins they aren't supposed to down the stretch. This is an opportunity to do that. And then we haven't gotten really a chance to talk about this, but the Pacers signed a player last weekend, Amida Braima. On Friday, he debuted on Sunday. Get to talk about him a little bit, what he's good at. Get to know him a little bit more. And then the last segment, I got to talk about Aaron Holiday and nothing about his skill set in particular because we all know he's struggling right now, but about Aaron Holiday. You'll see when we get there. But let's start with the game. TJ Leafs, Terrell Blazers against the Pacers. Leaf has not played for the Blazers since signing a 2A for them. But the Blazers, losers of five in a row, although they've all been close games, the biggest margin of defeat they've had in those five games is eight points so they're playing better than their recent results suggests and the blazers shoot a lot of threes damon lillard leads this team to a lot of success they get great guard play it's the same old blazers you're used to except they have good wings now so it's kind of weird to assess them because even though they have talent they've been losing they just lost to the grizzlies a few nights ago and their wings really are did not step up in that game norm powell robert covington 0 for 7 combined from three that game, Dame Lillard and C.J. McCollum combined eight for 20 from three. That's great. Carmelo hit half his threes. That's great. But they just were really reliant on Norm Powell and Covington to give them more, and they didn't, right? And that's kind of the recipe we've seen to beat the Blazers this season from various teams is at some at some level, you can't stop Dame and C.J. Like the Pacers actually did a pretty good job slowing those guys down when these teams played in January. They were 15 for 34. They combined for 44 points. That's pretty good. But there's a level with the Blazers where you got to slow down the rest of the guys and make those guys just destroy you. And that's where the Pacers did a really good job. The, the Blazers only had one score outside of those two guys scored double figures. It was Carmelo at 10 points on 11 shots, right? They, the Pacers' defense on everybody else back in, in January was wonderful. So that's what they, that's the recipe we've seen recently for the Blazers to beat the Blazers is – Look, Dame's going to be amazing, right? He's at, he's top whatever MVP candidate, averaging over 20 points a game, one of the most clutch players in the NBA. McCollum's having a career year. Don't let anyone else just cook you. That's why Norm Powell's so big for them, because they have a third threat that can often actually make these plays, finish plays, get points, stuff like that. And he's only averaging seven, only air quotes, averaging 17 for them, but he's been really good as that extra threat. Once his three ball comes around a little bit, he's only shooting 33% from deep in a Blazers uniform. They're going to be tough. They're going to be a good team. Covington is really good there. And Nurkic starts for them. And I think that's something that I f- forgot when I was thinking back to that first Pacers Blazers game this season. Nurkic got hurt mid game, right? So they had to play a lot of cancer. His defense is terrible. Um, so that's one key. Do not let the guys who aren't. Dame and CJ kill you. Now, another thing about the Blazers that kills them is their bench stinks. This is where the Pacers feasted last time, right? Their bench that game back in January was Hood, Cantor, Gary Trent, Anthony Simons, Harry Giles, Carmelo Anthony. Pacers dominated that unit, right? 
they were really healthy, so they had a, they still had McConnell and McDermott uh, and Jakar playing with the second unit. They had just traded Vic, um, so they didn't have necessarily all their guys, but they were more healthy. They had both centers, and you know they staggered the centers. That means they have a starter in the court at all times, but they dominated those bench minutes, right? TJ McConnell plus 21, Doug McDermott plus 24. McDermott had 16 points, and he only made one three. Like It was one of those nights for him. So that's another thing the Pacers have to do. Win all the non-day minutes. I talk about this almost every game the Pacers play a team with, like one stud, right? When that guy's off the court, if they don't win the minutes, they just they might as well just lose. Like that, uh, That's just it. They did win the day minutes in Portland by six points, and if they can do that, great. Then they'll have a great chance in this game. But if you lose the Dame less minutes, which they did not, they dominated the Dame less minutes by, I can do math, 18 points. That, that won them the game. So the Blazers are going to chuck up a ton of threes. The Pacers' closeouts are going to have to be crisp. O'Shea Brissett and Edmund Sumner, who are playing a lot more, are wonderful at closeouts, something that a lot of other guys on the Pacers are not. But I've talked a lot about what the Pacers need to do to beat the Blazers, and I still have not gotten to the key thing that I think means the Pacers are going to lose this game. Like, done, factually. Because Sabonis and Turner are both out, and Batadze is questionable, and maybe they'll play, but... Without the two centers who are big and burly and bang bodies inside, Blazers are third in the league in offensive rebounds. Nurkic is is pretty good at him. He's got a good nose for the ball like a lot of those Euro centers tend to do. He averages 2.2 per game. And Cantor is amazing at them, right? For over four a game for Enos Cantor. So maybe Goga's able to go. And because he's tall, he can have a little bit of impact on the glass. But when he's out and it's Jakar or O'Shea or whoever Bjorkren decides is the backup center, and that's only if Goga can play. If he can't play, it's Jakar and O'Shea the whole game. Then the Pacers are going to be in big trouble on the glass. I mean, that's so key to this game. I talked about Jakar yesterday being my X-factor because the Pacers cannot let them get – they get uh, average 11 a game, I think. Yes, they average 11 offensive rebounds per game. If they get that many, it's going to be really hard. You're giving Damian Lillard extra possessions. You're giving McCollum extra possessions, right? It's key that – the Pacers prevent those guys from doing that, and without any size inside. And we'll talk about Brian in a second. I don't think he has the the girth or power to really have an impact here, even though he is taller. But I think that they will just really struggle because the Blazers are also really low turnover team, eleven point three per game, one of the better, the the best, excuse me, the best number in the league. Right? They really take care of the ball. So uh, that also, you know, they, they really do a good job of getting all those possessions, right? They maximize the number of possessions they have with those offensive rebounds and low turnovers. It's up to the Pacers to try to impact the game in those ways, and they're not going to be able to slow down the offensive rebounding if they don't have the centers or the good rebounding, right? Cantor and, and Nurkic are going to kill them, so maybe they can force some more turnovers. I think they did a pretty good job of that back in January. Yeah, forced 18 that night. Dame had five. Um, so that was a that was a big factor in their success, the bench forcing those turnovers. But really, the glass is going to be key because they won't have the size. The Blazers got 14 offensive rebounds back in January, so it's going to be up to the the shorter guys to get the rebounds and you know force more turnovers, limit the the possession game. Because remember, the math is points per possession. That's what teams are trying to maximize, and the Blazers try to do that both by having an efficient beast in Damian Lillard, but by maximizing the number of possessions they get. So that total over a course of a game goes up. And it's been working for them, except that their defense is awful, right? So the Pacers can win this game. The Blazers have the second-worst defense per possession in the league. Uh, Nurkic is is fine, but, you know, they don't have the rim protection. Covington's their best team defender. They just, they're lacking in a lot of areas there. So even though they have a lot of guys I like individually on defense, Derek Jones, Robert Covington, Nurkic, uh, they, Hood's okay when he's playing. They don't have 
enough defense. So if the Pacers can cut and move the ball and do what they've been doing really over the course of the week, they'll be able to score okay. But can they get the stops? Can they get the rebounds? Can they force the turnovers? That's going to decide the game. And I don't think they can get the rebounds. So this game is really going to come down to if the if the Blazers have, I'll pick a random number, 14 turnovers or more, the Pacers win. If it's less, the Blazers win. That's my official instinct here. And I'm going to pick a Blazers win because I'm not going to bet against Damian Lillard. And sweeping him is very hard. The Pacers have been playing well recently, so we'll see what happens. It should be a good one. I'm looking forward to it. Watching Dame play is always a treat. Uh, and McCollum is really good, and we get to see Nurkic for a full game. And seeing small ball against bigger teams is always interesting. You know, see how much it can really be a thing they do going forward. Maybe Goga's back. Who knows? There's a lot of potential storylines to monitor. And if Goga's back, watching O'Shea next to his center will be important. So lots to look forward to. But let's take a break and talk about the only healthy center if Goga can't play on this roster that the Pacers signed last Friday in Amita Brima because a lot of people don't really know about him. But first, going to take a short little break to talk to you guys about the great people over at Locker Room, something we've been doing every week here as a part of Lockdown Pacers. Locker Room is the perfect place to start or join conversations about the NBA or other sports. You can find fans just like you on Locker Room for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, reacting to big news, just, just discussing sports, right? We at Lockdown Pacers do one every week. I don't know, last week I talked about O'Shea Brissett, the standings, the games coming up for the weekend, storylines to watch. We got into the draft, like, lottery system and what I would do instead of the lottery. It was really fun. Uh, Adam's going to be doing one, I think, after the Nets game, maybe after the Blazers game this week. And for you uh, Android users, the beta is out. You can actually download it on Android now. So go check out Locker Room, the first social audio platform made for sports fans. It's free to download. It's the perfect place to join conversations about the league. Go check it out. Download the free Locker Room app now, currently available on iOS and now in beta form, Android devices. So who is Amita Brima? You probably haven't heard of him, and I don't blame you, because his NBA debut came on Sunday for the Pacers against the Orlando Magic. Unsurprising that you haven't heard of him if that's the case. He played for the Pacers, ironically, in the preseason in 2019. If you watched the games in India against the Kings, if you woke up at 8.30 or 9 a.m. to do so, you saw him play in those games. I think he had four points in those games. He had four points in three preseason games that preseason, a few rebounds and two blocks or something. Um... But that's who he is. He's a blocks guy. He's a machine at it. I th- he's in the top three all time uh, at UConn, where he went to college in blocks. Uh, maybe even the leader in like single per game per season. I forget. He has some ridiculous block total in college. But that's his thing. This year in the G League, he was with the Mat. So sorry. Let's go back in time a little more. After that preseason with the Pacers, he was he had an Exhibit Ten contract, which means he would have got a bonus to join the Madans that year. So he was going to, and then he tore his ACL, and he missed that season. I don't know how the payouts work; doesn't matter. Um, so he was, you know, he's supposed to be a part of the organization that year. He wasn't. The Madans really could have used his size in 2019-20. They didn't have it. Then this year, they did the same thing. Brought him in for camp. He didn't play this time in the preseason. They had Rayshon Hammonds kind of be there. There, if you'll recall, their five preseason roster guy who you know went down to the G League team. But Brian still went to the Madans this year after being in the in training camp for the Pacers. Um, he's played 10 games for the Madden's and started nine of them, right? He was basically their starting center for much of the bubble. And he averaged 2.6 blocks per game in 23 and a half minutes, right? He is a machine with the blocks. That 2.6 per game ranked third in the league, both guys ahead of him, uh, Norvell Pell, who I think is on the Knicks now, and Nick Richards played more minutes per game than him, right? He's just, he's just an absolute monster with the blocks. And, of course, the only stat he had 
uh, in his debut performance in the NBA for the Pacers was a block. You know, he missed his, the only shot he took. The Pacers are actually feeding him, trying to get him his first NBA points, but he got that block, right? So he's really tall, uh, but the thing that makes him so good at the blocks is, you know, he's got good timing. He's decently athletic, but he's a seven, six wingspan. His arms look so long. If you see him, like on TV, if you get the chance to like admire the specimen that he is, his arms like go really far down on his body, like close to his knees. I was watching him during the national anthem actually when the Pacers played at home last Saturday because that was the first time he was with the team, and I noticed how long his arms were. I knew he had a big wingspan, but seeing it in person is remarkable. So that's what makes him so good at the blocks. He stretched up for his block against the Magic. So he's not really skilled. Like his offensive game is really raw. He has okay hands. He's an okay screen setter, I guess. Like. When he was in the game against the Magic, he didn't know any set. So Brogdon was just like pointing and having him set a bunch of screens. He's okay at that, but he's really just a lob guy, right? He has very little touch. His points in the preseason for the Pacers back in India against the Kings was like a five-foot floater and a dunk on an alley-oop, right? He has no range at all. He can't dribble. So on offense, he's just a lob guy who can maybe set some screens. Like, you know how Jakar Sampson played under Nate McMillan where he was just in the dunker spot all the time, right? Like 10 feet from the basket on the baseline. That's where he stood a lot of the time. That's what Brian will do if he's in the game on offense. They'll either have him set a bunch of screens because he's tall, or they'll have him stand in the dunker spot and catch a bounce pass and dunk the ball. His defense is pretty good, though. You know, he can kind of corral guys because his wingspan's so long, and he can reach up real high for for layups and, and weak jumpers. So that's where he'll provide his value to the Pacers. He's on a two-way deal. They had to wave Brian Bowen to bring him in, which is unfortunate. Bowen had some potential. He was okay in the G League for them, but... They really needed the center depth. Bjorkren indicated it's a short-term center depth thing, which I think means they, they expect Goga back at least sort of soon. No idea what it means for Sabonis and Turner, but he probably, because O'Shea really emerged, won't play much at all. Like he Even signing a center like is good and depth is good, but he is worse than O'Shea Brissett right now as a center, right? So he's just a depth piece anyway. Like If O'Shea, if O'Shea excuse me, hadn't emerged so much as a viable big option, maybe, maybe Abrima would get five, ten minutes a game. He, he played five against the Magic because there was a bunch of foul trouble and garbage time. Foul trouble got him his first half minutes. Garbage time got him his second half minutes. But, yeah, the, he's a UConn guy. Uh, Lavert remembers playing against him in college. UConn smoked Michigan that game, and he remembers his defense uh, being really solid. And, you know, they just need him to be that defensive anchor and be a tall guy. He's their tallest guy active right now. He's their only guy over six seven active if Goga can't go. So, that's what Amita Brahma is. He's their new two-way defensive specialist center. Uh, they'll have him for the rest of the season most likely, but they can rifle out these two-ways so easily. And the, he's postseason eligible. So if, if their injuries really come to that in the play-in game, they need a center for five minutes. They can put Amita Brahma on the court. So that's the Pacers' new guy. We'll see if he actually has any impact on the season, but it was cool to see him make his NBA debut Sunday night. So we'll see what kind of impact or role he has going forward though again if O'Shea and Jakar can continue to plug in the minutes with all the other tall guys out I kind of doubt we see Brian much more than garbage time right he only played because Brissett and Sampson had three fouls each in the first half and they couldn't risk not having those guys in the second half he did fine in his minutes he got a block in garbage time so it's good to see him play but I don't think we'll see him much anymore so that's me to Brian if you have any questions about him T East NBA on Twitter I'll I'll let you know I've watched him enough in the G League and all his preseason possessions. So I've got him on lock. But let's take one more break and talk about the thing I want to talk about there in Holiday. It was a, a somewhat hotly discussed thing on Pacers Twitter during the Pacers loss or loss. The Pacers win against the Magic on Sunday. So let's take a little break and talk about two great people before we talk Aaron Holiday. First up, like we always talk about, rockauto.com. 
Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers, but rockauto.com, on the other hand, their prices are the same for everybody. And the best of all, they're always reliably low. They're always the lowest prices possible rather than changing based on what the market will bear. Rockauto.com is a family business who's been serving auto parts customers online for over two decades. Uh, You can shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Their catalog is unique, super easy to navigate. You can find whatever you need super fast. And best of all, again, those prices are always reliably low. So go check them out, rockauto.com right now. See the parts available for your car or truck if you need them. Right, locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box. So know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. And, of course, we're talking about betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season, literally in full swing. Get it, swing. And you can track all that action at BetOnline. Plus, NBA is going on. And this week... They have tons of sports action on the go because the NFL draft is going on and the Kentucky Derby's coming up. So there's even more to get get involved with. You can get all the news, odds, and info, all your sporting needs on betonline.ag. Before the next pitch, head over to your laptop, mobile device, sign up at betonline.ag. They'll have everything you need there. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. And when you make your account, use the promo code LOCKEDON, all one word. When you do so, you'll get a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. All right. Aaron Holiday against the Magic. We all saw it. People were looking at his minutes in the first half. No Aaron Holiday. He did not play in the first half. Hmm, interesting. He did not play in the second half. He played in garbage time, only 2 minutes and 23 seconds of playing time for Aaron Holiday. If that game was close, Aaron Holiday would not have played. Let's go back a game. Pacers-Pistons Saturday in Indianapolis. Aaron Holiday plays in the first half for 2 minutes and 58 seconds, less than 3 minutes. Takes 3 shots, misses them all. Defense was not good. Pacers lose those 2 minutes and 58 seconds by 9 points. They got cooked. Cooked by the Pistons. Okay? So as a result, he gets yanked from the rotation for Keelan Martin. Okay? Keelan Martin plays in the second half. He did fine. He played for 3 minutes and 51 seconds in the second half against the Pistons. Those minutes weren't even for the Pacers and in a 6-point win. And he even stretched with a terrible bench player in the game. Terrible is a stretch. I don't mean that. I'm just exaggerating for the sake of the story. It's good. Then... Pacers Magic the next night. Keelan Martin plays seven minutes plus eight, right? He's fitting well with this group. Their current makeshift second unit of, you know, either Brissett or Sampson and McConnell and McDermott and Keelan Martin. They have one creator and just some wings who can attack off the catch. It's working. Whatever. Cassius Stanley also got, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me. I should know that. Cassius Stanley also played against the Magic. He got in at the end of the first half for a brief stint and got in in garbage time. So he played more than Aaron Holiday as well. He played for three minutes and 43 seconds. He hit a shot, was effective, whatever. Okay, that's a lot of talking and storytelling. Aaron Holiday is out of the rotation right now, and that should not be the case. That That is what I want to talk about in this segment. Aaron Holiday is out of the rotation. I understand why. He has not been playing well, right? I wrote about him on the 14th that night. They beat the Rockets. He was plus 11. He hit 50% of his shots. He had four points, three rebounds, two assists in, in 13 and a half minutes, right? Like his start of April was great. He's been awful, awful since that game, okay? So I get why he would not be playing, okay? Bjorkman wants to win games, and it's that simple. He wants to win, and, and Aaron Holiday is not helping the team win every night. That said, we talked about the goals for the Pacers last Monday for the rest of the season, right? They're 29 and 31. They're probably not going to get out of the play-in game. In fact, they're almost certainly not going to get out of the play-in game. So their season could just be, after the regular season, one game, maybe two, and they're done. 
they have to be looking to the future, even if they're getting wins by looking to the future. That's fine. But they have to be looking to the future to some degree every game. And that involves playing Aaron Holiday. They picked him in the first round. He's only 24. Yes, he's only, he's, he's only 24. He will He is under contract for next year, right? They have to continue to evaluate him, let him get reps in Bjorkren's system, let him play with some of the guys who are going to be on the roster next year, whether that's O'Shea or a big, well, I guess the bigs are hurt, but you know what I mean, or that I mean, of the guys in the Sumner, you got to get him reps with Sumner, Brogdon, Karras, right? Let him play with all those guys who aren't going to be free agents and are most likely going to be back next year to see what you have. Because look, if the pay, they're 29 and 31 right now. Let's say they were, they've played how many? 60 games. Let's say they were 35 and 25 right now, right? I would all, I'd be all in on playing Keelan Martin over him right now. Martin has been playing better in the role. Martin has, you know, he doesn't shoot himself out of games. He plays okay defense. He's got some size. I would get that. I'd be all for that. But they're not 35 and 25. They're 29 and 31. And there's 12 games left, right? They have to be looking to the future and evaluating what they have in these young guys. It's pretty un- – I guess Keelan Martin's deal next season is non-guaranteed. He's only 25, so he's not that much younger than Aaron Holiday. Sure, but, I mean, let's be real. Like, the guy they invested the first-round pick in or the guy they gave a half-guaranteed minimum to this year, which one do they have more eggs in the basket of? It's Aaron Holiday. They should be growing through the pains with him. If it leads to losses, it leads to losses. Like, that's what teams in the Pacers situation should do. If they were playing Cassius instead of Aaron, which maybe you could argue they did when they had Cassius in at the end of the first half against the Magic, that's fine. That's a, that makes a little more sense to me. Now, Cassius did not play awesome for the Mad Ants and hasn't shown a ton with the Pacers, sure. But they picked him this year. They they claimed to have evaluated him as a first-round pick-level guy. He's only 21. He could be back next year. They can make him a restricted free agent and basically guarantee he's back next year, right? If they want Cassius Stanley back... They can have him pretty easily, okay? So I understand that. If they played Cassius where they're playing Keelan right now, I would get it. But it, not playing Aaron to play someone older than him who probably won't be on the team next year doesn't really make sense to me. I think you got to try to get him to play the role you want, you know, not shoot himself out of the game. Try to have him help impact winning a little more. Try to get him to be a little more pass-happy and let him develop a little more. I think that is what the Pacers should be doing. They should not be tr- focused so much on winning against these terrible teams that they're not. That Aaron Holiday is the last guy off the bench. The literal Brimo is in the rotation. Cassius is in the rotation. Keelan Martin's in the rotation. Aaron Holiday's not. Last guy off the bench. I don't think that should be the case. I think given the circumstances of their season, even though he's been playing really badly for the last couple weeks, I think they still need to keep him in the rotation, let him grow, see what they have with him, do all they can. Even if his time with the Pacers might be up soon, they have to be sure they have to get all these evaluations out of the way. That's what I want to talk about. That's what I wanted to close with. hope that all makes sense. Another thing you can yell at me about, because if you disagree, that makes sense to me. There are valid arguments on the other side, but I think Aaron Holiday should be in the rotation still. That's all for today. Pacers Blazers will be fun. Watching Damian Lillard is a delight, and I am really looking forward to it. Adam's got recap duty tomorrow, of course, with takeaways and talks about player performances, so be on the lookout for that. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will see you tomorrow.